Welcome back to Hair of the Werewolf, a supernatural and horror-themed podcast. I'm Chase, and I'm here with Lily. Hey, guys. And each episode, we attempt to scare each other with research stories from around the world, and admittedly a few that are out of this world. So take a seat, <laughs> grab a drink, and join us. What's on the menu tonight? The menu is straight up ice water. <laughs> Same here. We are agua fresca tonight. Mm-hmm. We have an early morning with family. Very. Yeah. And we've done that before where, you know, we're like, well, we'll just have a few drinks anyway. And then we need to edit. And then we do all these things. And we stay up even later. And, oh, my gosh, the next day always sucks so bad. But we're actually being responsible human beings this time. So please ignore any booms, explosions, and other loud noises that you might hear in the background. We were recording this on the weekend before the 4th of July. So that means, you know, fireworks every freaking night going up to it. <laughs> I like fireworks. I'm not complaining or anything like that, but it does make recording a little bit harder. In other news, almost two weeks ago, we planted some pumpkins in our backyard. Yay! So right around when we planted them, like the day before we planted them, the monsoon season decided to kick into full gear here. So we actually got some of our high desert rains. And uh, in addition to putting out a bunch of potential fires, which we really desperately needed, <laughs> when it starts raining here, all our plants go crazy. And it was only a couple days after we planted them that we already started seeing sprouts. Which is crazy because they say it can take a while. Yeah. I was not prepared. They were right away. And we planted a bunch of seeds because I was like, oh, we might only get 10% of these to come. I think like... 80% of them have yeah, sprouted which is super what, close together. Well, which is what they tell you to do, especially like in the desert, I guess. They're like, just plant more seeds than you think because they're not going to always take here. And then with my luck, they all did. So I don't want them to die. We're going to have to separate them. I don't know. We're going to have to do something. But we planted two kinds of pumpkins. We did the sweet kind that you make pies with in like one half. And then the other half are the jack-o'-lantern pumpkins. Yes. Because, uh, <laughs> I mean, seriously. And I have to say... If we're lucky, come fall, we'll actually have some of our first on homegrown pumpkins so we can set up jack-o'-lanterns and potentially piss off all the Halloween haters in the neighborhood because you know there's some. There's now more than there ever were, and I am, I'm fighting the fight against Halloween haters. <laughs> keep it going. I'm keeping it alive. Uh, all right, so tell me about your story today. Okay, so for this week's episode, I decided to spread my wings and get away from the United States. And the 1800s as well. And I landed in Lima, Peru. Still Americas, but it's South America, so it's different. And it is considered to be one of the most haunted buildings in Peru. So this is definitely out of my realm because, I mean, I know Peru, the, the country, but I'm yeah. not very versed in Peru. I'm not very versed in Peruvian culture. Meaning I don't know much about what they're scared of, what kinds of things they consider haunting. I don't know if it's closer to culture A, B, or C. So sure. this is a whole new world for me. South so America in general, and again, I'm going to totally be like generalizing here because obviously there's like a million countries, but it is going to be um, superstitious, um, very religious or whatever, you know, in comparison to like maybe some European countries that we've covered in the past. But yeah, so with this story, it's called La Casa Matusita, and it is um, like a two-story, really big building in the corner, uh, in the center of, I, think, I don't know if it's in the center of Lima, but it's basically well within the city, 
And I don't know if you know, but Lima is the capital of Peru. So, so. I figured Lima was an important city because I've actually heard of it. <laughs> and with how little I know about Peru, I'm like, well, if I heard of the city, it means it's either a huge city yeah. or it's like the capital or something important. Usually like when you hear, if you know one city, you can at least assume it's probably the capital because otherwise, why would you know it? Well, yeah, but I mean, like with Brazil, usually people can list at least two cities. That's true. It's a house or is it... A state building or so it started, a restaurant? It started out as a house. Okay. A very large house. But I'm just going to go into the legend. All right. Which is going to explain everything. Bring it on. In 1753, a woman named Parvena Dervaspa immigrated to Lima from can I, Europe. Can I just ask? Because I yes. saw you on that word. This is something I don't actually know. Because I know in Brazil they speak Portuguese, but in a lot of other countries they speak Spanish. I assume Peru was also Spanish, but it's, it's it is Spanish. But she she migrated from Europe, so she's not Peruvian or from South America. Okay, which is why I'm having a hard time with the name. Oh, I just <laughs> I just want to know because I I just needed to imagine my mind. You know, I'm like, let me let me tell you one thing. This is not English or Spanish, so I'm just not going to know anything. Gotcha. Yeah, she had no family or friends that lived in Lima or any other connections. The only thing that was really known about her was that she was a healer of the sick. Around the same time, the Spanish Inquisition was well-established and still held authority in Lima. When they found out that Dervaspa might be a witch, they immediately arrested her. Oh, of course. Of course. At first, Dervaspa denied these allegations, but authorities were not convinced. They tortured her for days until she confessed and she had a and she had to confess like specific things that that like all these rumors started around her. I guess like when you don't share your feelings or like your history, people make stuff up, and that that was the case in her case. And so they were like, you have to confess what people believe, which is you've made a pact with the devil, and that you've been casting spells to make people sick so that you can later heal them and rob people of money. Oh, so it was a big old uh, like I don't know, like a yeah, just, it was a scam it was in a scam. their mind, uh, but like a devil scam, like magical scam. But we can assume at this point the Spanish Inquisition probably did absolutely nothing useful because <laughs> they did a good job getting rid of people they claimed were witches. But I'm pretty sure none of them were witches. I mean, I'm just saying probably not. But yeah, in this case, they certainly thought so, and. You know, obviously, they were torturing her, so she was going to confess to something. I think at this point, she knew she was probably going to die anyway. So if she confessed, then the torture might stop, and they can proceed to just murder her. And that's exactly what happened. She was sentenced to death and would be burned at the stake. The village gathered and watched as Der Vaspa was tied up and set on fire. I figure nothing else was on TV that night. No, so. <laughs> it was kind of a slow night. <laughs> the flames quickly engulfed her body, and as she was burning, she yelled her final words and cursed everyone who'd set foot in her house. Okay, well, that's a pretty cool thing to do, because if everyone's yeah. claiming you're a witch at the end, best thing you can do is, like, you guys are actually killing me, Yeah. so what's the best way for me to ruin your lives? <laughs> to I'm scare you more. I'm going to make you all scared. Exactly. Good on her, because those people were horrible for killing her. Yeah, that's a pretty badass thing. I think if I was strong enough, I would try to do something similar, <laughs> <laughs> but I'd probably just start crying. Okay, so that's her story, and from that moment on, it was basically assumed that the property or the building itself was cursed, and people were really scared. And didn't want to set foot in there. I mean, they really thought it was 
you know, curse. So remind me how long ago this was, because you said Spanish Inquisition, but that kind of went on for a while. For a long time. So this was, like I said, the Spanish Inquisition has already been there for a long time. So it was 1753. Okay, okay. Yeah. I was I was wondering, I mean, are we talking like 1400s no. or, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. A little like at the end of it kind of thing. Well, it could have been the 1400s because the Europeans came over in 1492. That was like the dumbest thing I've ever said. I mean, I heard it, but I accepted it too, so... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so years later, a very wealthy man decided to buy the house. Clearly not a superstitious man. Now, this man wasn't kind, was not a kind person, particularly towards his servants. He would often beat them and verbally abuse them on a daily basis. Uh, well, the servants were totally tired of that and wanted to plot a mini revenge. One evening, the wealthy man invited a few friends and associates for a dinner party, which was something he did often. The servants took the opportunity and decided to spike everyone's drink with a hallucinogenic drug. Do you, you know which drug it was? No, they didn't specify, but I don't even know if they really knew. I mean, they might have known, but I guess, like, you'll see why maybe no one knew what it was. Well, I wasn't trying to sound like some crazy person who's like, oh, I need to know about the drugs. It was just more like curiosity. Like, what did they have in the 1700s? It's like, this will make them go crazy. Uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, so the intent was definitely to just scare them or not scare them but embarrass their master and definitely not kill them or anything super malicious it was just something to get back at him because he's so mean once the drinks were served the servants waited in the hallway with anticipation a couple of minutes passed and the guests were still laughing away as if nothing was wrong (laughs) but then the room became very very quiet Uh oh yeah the servants leaned against the door but heard nothing for several minutes Uh, Then, just as they were going to enter the dining room, they heard yelling, growling, and people screaming in agony. Oh, no. Were they all having a bad trip? (laughs) Terrified, the servants fled and waited until the horrible sound stopped. They didn't even look inside? No. Well, I mean, would you? I'd be like- They're the ones who poisoned them. (laughs) Oh, these guys suck. I mean, everyone sucks, I think. Finally, one of the servants decided to open the door to see what had happened. Lying on the ground was their master and his guests completely mutilated. What? Yeah. Their arms, legs, and stomach were ripped and pulled apart. It turns out that the drugs fed to the guests were too strong, and it caused (laughs) everyone to become violent towards each other, resulting in their deaths. Now, that is one theory. Other people say that the drugs allow them to maybe see the evil in the house that was attacking them, or they became possessed. I mean, there's a lot of, like, speculation here. All right, so before you continue, this reminds me of two completely different movies. <laughs> okay. So at the beginning, when you said they drugged him and they waited outside for a hit, it was totally like the movie Detroit Rock City when they're trying to save their friend from the uh, the Catholic school. Oh, uh, yeah. So they put shrooms on the pizza they deliver to the- Oh, that's right. Uh, I haven't seen that movie in years and years. But in that movie, he gets really, really high, and they go in there, and they take their friend back. <laughs> so it kind of stops being similar there. Sure. But then it becomes like the movie Serenity, where- What? Oh, where when they- the, This planet yeah, yeah, yeah. gets drugged, and some of the people, their reactions to the drug makes them incredibly violent, and they start killing people in horrifying they, like, ways. They mutilate themselves and other people, and yeah, they become like this lore almost, because it's so unbelievable. So they just created Reavers, is what you're saying. Yes. And, and yeah, so when they, when they discovered this horrifying scene before them- the servants ran out of the house screaming, which drew quite a bit of crowd. And once people realized what had happened, the servants were arrested, 
but because they basically lost their mind, they were admitted into a hospital where many of them ended up committing suicide. What? Yeah, so I don't know what's going on. Did they talk about what they were they were going through before they committed suicide, or were they still just so like they, rampantly crazy? At I that think point? so. I mean, I think they were confessing. They were like saying, you know, it wasn't supposed to be this bad. I don't know what happened, and then people couldn't handle it and killed themselves. And I think others went to jail, things like that. So, I mean, it, it was not a good ending for anyone. So, I mean, we just have another second bad event related to this place. Yes, so this is, and this is just the people that ended up living there. So it's not even like, oh, then there was a few people that lived, nothing happened, and then, no, it's like, so far, it's like every everyone. Now, after these horrible deaths, no one was willing to live in the house. For nearly a century, the property remained vacant, until a man named Mr. Matsushita, a Japanese immigrant, brought his family to live there. This is also where the name Casa Matsushita comes from, so that's... They just changed it a little bit, obviously. And Mr. Matsushita converted the bottom floor into a shop where he worked, and then the second floor is where the family lived. For a while, the family was doing great, and nothing seemed out of the ordinary. It wasn't until after a couple of months that Mr. Matsushita began to display some odd behavior. Mm. Yeah, he started to become very angry and paranoid, which is very much out of his character. One day, while Mr. Matsushita was working in his shop downstairs, he realized that he forgot something in his house. So he just went upstairs, but as he got closer, he could hear someone moaning. Slowing his pace, he approaches closer to the noise, which happens to be coming from his bedroom, and when he opens the door, he sees his wife with another man in bed. Oh, no. Oh, yes. I mean, maybe that's why he was mad, because he could tell something was... (laughs) Not right. That's very true. It doesn't sound like it was a very happy marriage. Yeah, so yeah. there could have been a lot of reasons. And But either way, he completely went crazy, grabbed a knife, and then stabbed his wife and her lover. Still filled with rage, he went into the kids' room and stabbed all of his three kids oh to death. Oh, my God. And then finally killed himself. So, yeah, maybe their marriage wasn't cool. But I would say that's an overreaction. So I, there was definitely something horribly wrong with his mind. I think when you take your anger out and murder people who are not the ones who did anything wrong. I know. It's like, what the hell? That's a 100% overreaction. <laughs> yeah. And anyone who harms a kid, you suck. Yeah. So this guy you sucks. You are not allowed to listen to our podcast anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Stop listening. If he's a ghost right now. Go away. Good. Yeah. <laughs> prick. Yeah. I hope uh, whatever her name was puts a spell on you. <laughs> okay. So these are, so those are like the big ones, the ones that are on record, actually. So these names really did exist and what had occurred, although there aren't a lot of records, uh, mostly because there just wouldn't have been. Uh, it is definitely heavily in the culture and the lore of. So what you're saying is the specificities might be part of legend or not, but these are real events. To some degree. Yeah, so Matsushita really did live there, and I think the whole murder thing, thing probably, yeah. And plus it's, all as the far people as I who understand. died at the drug party. Yeah, so that's what it seemed like whenever I was reading an article. It was, I mean, I saw pictures of them, so, I mean, these people did exist. I don't have any police reports from, uh, you know, the 1800s, I think was when they started living the wood, there. though, right? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I can't 
quite tell you, but they did exist, that's for sure. So after these murders, there really wasn't a lot of information about the building and its inhabitants. So it, even though it could have been like, oh, there might have been a tenant, whatever his name was there for like a month or something like that, there wasn't anything else mm. uh, concrete. Nothing noteworthy. Right, except um, the only thing is that what the locals would say is that a couple of families would end up renting the second floor because the bottom floor, I guess, from that time on, a stayed stayed a shop. Okay. Yeah. Often, people would start complaining of voices, us hearing screaming, and feeling like they were going crazy. Mm. Children were often the main target and would become traumatized for the mm. rest of their lives, I know, and never quite recovered from living in that house, which is very sad. I guess that totally tracks with if a guy killed a bunch of children and he's now haunting the place, yeah, he'd go after children. I he think sucks. he's just, yeah, he's a horrible person. Damn. So now we're in the 1900s, and like I said, there were a few tenants that gave it a shot, but even they were kind of scared away, and the house, again, stayed mostly vacant. Man, for this amount of time, you'd think they'd just demolish it. I, right? That's, that's what I'm saying. But in one instance, a tenant that was renting, but he was renting the first floor, oh, not the, the second, yeah. the shop, so he was actually just working there, began to complain about hearing strange noises from the second floor. Knowing the building's history and the fact that no one should be up there, he contacted the owner and requested that he investigate. The owner himself did not come, but rather decided to send a priest to perform an exorcism. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I ain't going there. I'm going to send a priest. (laughs) I just love that. So he's saying, hey, do you have a gun I could borrow? He's like, I got a tank. Yeah. Let's do that. Oh, my God. I got a wrecking ball. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The priest gets there, goes to the second floor, and starts his exorcism, all the while the tenant waits downstairs. The tenant hears the priest walking around until he suddenly hears multiple screaming in absolute agony. Like, multiple voices, he said. Okay, so not just the... Not just the priest. Yeah. I mean, one of them could have been the priest, but he said it's distinctly many voices. And... You know, the tortured screaming continued for a little while, but then abruptly stopped. Wondering what was going on, the tenant goes upstairs and finds the priest dead on the floor in the living room. The cause was determined to be a heart attack. Well, let's be fair. We're still we're still in the 17 or 1800s now? 1900s. 19. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this is... I, I don't, was going to say, then, then knowing it was a heart attack, I'm willing to believe that a lot more. Because, I mean, like, yeah. in the 1700s, I was like, eh, they don't really know. <laughs> I they don't know that. I couldn't get an exact date, but it's, like, I know, 1900 is quite vague. <laughs> but <laughs> at least we He died from ghosts in his blood. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. So 1900s, all right. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm with it. I'm with so, it. So, which, by the way, I don't know, like... I feel like it has to be a pretty strong spirit to take down a priest. I mean, Absolutely. do you know what I mean? I know, like, everyone else, maybe they have their demons or whatever, but, like, he's, like, a holy man. I don't know. Well, it just it feels could, very violent. And you could be pessimistic and just say, oh, well, maybe he wasn't a very good priest. But That's I would, true. But I would assume the kind of priest who performs exorcisms is more than likely very well-versed and very, exactly. very devoted. Like, if anyone would know what to do in this situation. Yeah, you don't become an exorcism priest if you don't care or believe. Right. Like, I would say that's a very specialty thing. Yeah. Unless the the landlord well. or the landlord's like, look, I got a priest uniform. Can you just, like, deal with this tenant? <laughs> and it's not even a priest. You uh, just have to run in there and throw some water and say some words. 
I know I wouldn't even gone up there. I'm like, yeah, I'm upstairs, but I'm at like the bottom floor <laughs> in the closet. Next door. <laughs> I totally did the exorcism. I'm totally done. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Well, Casa Matusita stayed vacant again for a long time because no one was willing to even step foot inside the building. That is until the late 1960s, an Argentinian TV personality, his name was Humberto Vilches Vera, decided to go and do an investigation where he would spend seven days on the second floor. Mm. Spoiler, he did not make it. <laughs> okay, when you say did not make it, you okay. mean he did not survive or he couldn't last seven he days? He could not last seven days. Because <laughs> he... this has not been a good track record for surviving. <laughs> right. I think I need to specify, you're correct. <laughs> According to witnesses, he only stayed there for four hours. <laughs> When you said four, I was just waiting for days. I'm like, oh, impressive. And then you saw hours. I'm like, damn. Yeah, it was, like I said, it was definitely not even close. That was amazing. <laughs> so he stayed there for four hours <laughs> before neighbors heard screaming coming from the building. Police were called to the scene and they found Vera screaming and speaking in tongues. Oh, no. Yeah. Whatever it was that he saw or experienced was so traumatizing that he ended up being admitted into a psychiatric hospital. And he stayed there for almost two years. Holy cow. Yeah. Later, shortly before Veda's death, he published an autobiography that briefly mentioned the incident at Casa Matusita. He claimed that he never actually entered the home and that it was all a ruse to get people to watch his show. But... It was just a slight bit of information, super vague in his autobiography, and Veda always refused to talk about what happened when asked further questions. For example, there really is a police report and witnesses that corroborated that Veda was found in the house, terrified. So do you, so you think that maybe that was kind of like his way of mentally coping with it by Possibly. Like just cutting it out, like pushing it away. Yeah, and plus he never explained why he took a hiatus immediately after the incident. So that is also true. Although the hospital records were never released, people still adamantly claim that he did spend time at a psychiatric hospital. So we don't, he's not at the very least explaining anything to us and it could be very personal. Maybe it had absolutely nothing to do with this, but it is pretty fishy. And it just would, sounds like he's avoiding the question, and he always had since until he died. And I think that's actually kind of a big thing. Yeah. Because uh, sometimes as people get older, they're more willing to talk about stuff. I, I know that from personal experience with people in my family who are older and everything like that. They slowly were able to talk about things they didn't want to. Mm -hmm. But I can just say, let's let's just say, you know, not saying that the ghosts exist or whatnot. We're just saying these experiences that were had by actual people, the deaths and everything like that. Whenever we keep hearing these stories, and like supposed to be one of the most haunted, one of the most haunted, and usually I hear it, I'm like, Anthony, this so far sounds like the kind of thing where I'm willing to believe this is the most haunted it's, type material. And, you know, people are really scared. I mean, they really... This is terrifying me. Yeah. Now, I always have to have, like, a counter theory, I feel, sometimes. And one of them is that although the, some of the murders are really true or, like, the, you know, incidents that may have occurred... There's a conspiracy theory that the actual hauntings were fabricated by the U.S. Embassy that was located across the street. This was because they wanted to ensure that no one would go into the second floor of Casa Matusita and spy on the embassy. Because oh, oh. one of the few second-story buildings at the time, I guess, um, See, that was close by. See, what they're doing right here, though, is they're playing with two dangerous things. They're saying scary stuff, and they're saying, but if it's not scary... 
government conspiracy. Right. And I gotta say, that's like tickling the same bone <laughs> just from different sides. So I don't know how to feel about that. I don't just either. Saying, yeah. But I like it. All right. Okay, so that's the one conspiracy theory. That's like the only explanation that was counter, aside from being like, none of it is real. I'm gonna but, give that conspiracy theory credit for actually being like, okay, I'll think yeah. about it. <laughs> I'll give it a shot. Okay, so today, or rather most recently, in 2016, the building was remodeled because it was falling apart, and many people believed that this caused the hauntings to stop, but others remained skeptical. So, which is kind of weird because usually in some of the past stories that I've had, renovating a place actually like conjured up more, you know, the spirits got really angry and there was more activity. But in this case, it kind of had the opposite effect. Yeah, so Yeah, I'd say the only time we see it getting rid of things is usually when the building is gone. Right. And then you, if, if you have something after you have a new building there, we're talking a really malevolent force. Really so. bad. Yeah, exactly. But either way, the second floor is strictly prohibited to the public to this day. And the first floor is now a bank, or at least that's what I saw on Google Maps. And this sounds like a really big building if they can do a bank in the bottom It's a floor. very big building, yes. Now, occasionally, locals will still say that they hear screaming coming from the building at, at odd hours of the night. Jeez. And even claim to see shadows standing in front of the windows from the second floor. So there is still definitely what it sounds like, some activity. Movie plot idea already. You've got two tellers that are all flirty with each other, and they just decide to take a quick break, and they're going to sneak into the upstairs that no one's allowed to because it's the only way they can get, like, freaky. Right. And then they go up there, and while they're in the middle of the freaky, because you got to make sure you have the, the sexiness in your horror film at the beginning. Sure, you always, you always Something do. crazy happens, and then one of them dies, and the other one goes running screaming, and then, then you see the logo for the movie. Yeah. And it just starts right there. <laughs> This is what's happening. All right. Yeah, we need to do this. Let's go to Peru. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a movie. Funny you should mention. Oh, did I just hit describe the beginning? What is no. it? Panic in Peru. Panic in Peru. No, well, this one came out in 2014. It's called Secreto Matusita, which translates to secret. Yeah. Matusita. It is in Spanish, and I think there's English subtitle option, but I'm not 100% sure. You can translate for me. I, pfft, no. <laughs> I'm <laughs> You're not like, doing... I'm going to be drinking. You back off. Yeah, I was just like, <laughs> I know this language. I'm just going to listen. Now, there is, uh, I think there might be a dubbing version, but you know how that never works out. So let's hope there's just subtitles. Anyway, the premise of the movie is pretty straightforward, and the movie description is, quote, Video footage depicting a supernatural encounter is all that remains of a filmmaker and his crew who disappeared while exploring a haunted house, end quote. So it's a, it's definitely a found footage filming style. And I found I'm actually quite fond of those, so yeah, I'm I, good with it. I They don't bother me, so I really doubt... I actually do want to watch this one. It looks, Let's do it. It looked just fun, you know, found footage. Can't go wrong, I guess. I don't know. Is it available to anything streaming? Or do we have to like Actually, find a DVD in the library? <laughs> I did see it on YouTube, but that did not have the English subtitles. Like when I put on the subtitles, it was just Spanish. Does yeah. It, yeah. And so I don't know if we can just buy it a, a different way. Maybe. Yeah, can, maybe. Now there is another movie that is either coming out or out. It's called The Mystery of Casa Matusita. That one is supposed to be in English. But I think it's still in production because I could not find a release date for the life of me. And I'm just assuming it's because it hasn't been made yet, technically, or finished. We'll see. 
Or maybe it was so bad, no one wants to talk about it. So why do I have a feeling <laughs> that if we see a trailer for it, they're going to do exactly what they did for the La Llorona movie, where they actually brought in a narrator to say the title of the movie? Because usually oh, in trailers right. now, you just see the tr- the title yourself, and you're just like, oh, yeah, I know what that is. But for La Llorona, because they knew most people would not know how They'd to pronounce it. They'd be like, La Llorona. Yeah, the yeah. La Llorona. Yeah. They had, they, they had, they're like, we have to get a guy to come in and say Llorona. So yeah. people are like, oh, now I know how to do it. And they would do that here too because it's a foreign word. And it's not the easiest for sure. I think if you don't obviously know, but uh, yeah, I have no idea. I couldn't even find a trailer. I have no clue what this English movie is doing. Spanish one exists. So if you know Spanish, go for it. But that is the end of my story. So I have to ask. Oh gosh. Do you even want to see the building? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we're in Peru and we're in Lima, yeah, you would want to make an effort to at least go to the building. Yes. Would you go into the bank? Um, Probably, but I'd probably look really awkward because I wouldn't know what else to do when I enter since I don't have an account. I don't know, just bring some <laughs> American money and say I need to convert it. And Ooh, now I have haunted it. money. <laughs> now yeah. you have haunted money. Now, further question, if you found a way to sneak into the second floor, would you do it? <laughs> you know what? I would, I'm going to say probably not because... Or are you saying, like, guaranteed I won't get caught? By authorities, sure. I don't know what's going to happen to you in the spiritual realm, but <laughs> by authorities, we're, we're picking a very hypothetical scenario. I think I would. I would just, I'd probably go into the, I'd probably go into the stairway, take a you peek, know, and then run away. You know what's going to kill me? What, what, what is going to end up being my demise is you're going to go into all these haunted buildings, and you're going to keep bringing horror crap back with yeah. you, and one of them's going to kill me. I think they can all be friends, and then maybe they'll ignore us. Yeah. That's my thoughts. And you're just going to be like, it wasn't me, as a ghost. <laughs> it wasn't me. You can go into all these. Uh, I would be willing to see the building. Mm-hmm. I will not go into the bank. Not even the bank? This might be the most terrifying place you've described to me. No way! Yeah, Yay! I can't even walk in there. It's interestingly one of my shorter stories as well, but... I do want to see it, so I can see a picture if I go online, like, obviously, like, Google Maps, something like that. Yeah. I, I got to take a look at it. I've I've pictured this really horrifying building, but if it's a bank, I bet it looks all it nice looks now. It looks so just like a, a building. building. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it looks old. It's an older building, but, but my imagination is definitely giving it, you know, creepy creepy vibes. Like I don't I'm, know, I'm maybe... imagining the upper windows are like broken and and <laughs> no. but I'm like it's not going to be like that with a bank, so I think you're I mean, you might have vibes from it and you're like that does look creepy. Maybe. I don't know. To me it looked normal. And plus, when it says bank on the side of it, you're like, bank. <laughs> bank. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that was super creepy. Cool. Well, I'm glad. I hope everyone thought so as well. Well, I have another creepy place, too. So I want to hit on that story, but I've already blasted through my ice water, so I need some more. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I got a new fun one for you. Cool. Okay, guys. So we're back. We have our delicious water and now Chase has a delicious story. Represent all my hydro homies. <laughs> all right. So for you listeners out there with children, take a moment to imagine a scenario I read about recently. Say you call out that dinner is ready and your children, regardless if you only have one child or four children, no matter the number, and they come hungrily to the kitchen or the dining table, you know, wherever you like to have your food. But before you have a chance to serve any of them, something catches you off guard. Something catches your eye. There's one too many kids before you. (gasps) And it isn't a friend who's over, you know, after school for dinner. It's not someone who's spending the night. 
there's something else there and you don't quite know what to make of the situation you feel a little uneasy but you can't quite put your finger on it you probably should be concerned about this new kid but you can't really focus on why Mm. and then you just decide to have dinner anyway Ew. Your kids, on the other hand, probably know exactly what that other kid is. Because according to some, when people become adults, they lose their ability to see them. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. Oh, my God. What? <laughs> this is the weirdest thing ever. So last week, I talked about the Sesho Seki, also known as the Killing Stone. It's an alleged possessed rock located in Japan. It was a great change of pace to get away from the 1800s Europe, just like you said earlier. And I decided I wanted to spend a little more time in Japan researching the various haunted locations that it holds. You're not ready to leave, are you? No, not at all. I (laughs) might be here a while. (laughs) After all, Japan is high on our bucket list of places we want to visit. So we might as well get a bunch of haunted locations to check out while we're hanging out there. So my next story takes us to the Iwate Prefecture, which is in the very northern part of the main island Japan. It is very far from the bigger cities that people have heard of, like Tokyo, Kyoto, or Yokohama. This part of Japan isn't heavily traveled by tourists. Northern Japan is particularly mountainous, and most of the cities are smaller and concentrated in the lower elevations. Mm. And this means that some of the most beautiful sights in Japan, the natural beauty that you can see, is all located in the northern areas. But it also means it's more rural and remote, at least compared to the mega city regions near Tokyo. So it's kind of like when we went to Northern England mm-hmm. and it wasn't like an endless London that spreads out to everywhere. All of a sudden we could see the hills and the countryside and we could see all sure. this stuff. So think of Northern Japan that way. It's smaller, but it's so incredibly beautiful, but something comes with being smaller and more remote. <laughs> That's where all the evil lives. In this prefecture is a small city called Ninohe which has a population of around 26,000. A river goes through the town called the Mabechi River. If you travel along this river, you will come across a small and unsuspecting inn. Mm. This inn is known as the Ryokufuso Inn and is considered the most haunted hotel in the entire country. Oh my God, that's awesome. For anybody at home interested in looking this place up, it is important to note that this is the Ryokufuso Inn in Iwate Prefecture, There is another hotel with the same name in Kyoto. This is not the same hotel. I'm sure the one in Kyoto is awesome, but it doesn't seem to have the haunted amenity (laughs) that the one that we're talking about. Definitely not as cool. Got it. As you can imagine, the Ryokofuso Inn in Iwate isn't an ordinary inn. It's what is known as a ryokan, which is a very specific type of inn in Japan. Typically, ryokans are very traditional in their layout with the iconic Japanese walls and sliding doors and the flooring made of mats. Much like historic Western hotels in the United States, Ryokan present an allegedly authentic experience. It all comes with things like the Japanese-style communal baths and shared common areas. Guests are usually seen wearing Japanese-style robes called yukata. These types of inns have been around for over a thousand years. They've been doing this since I think like the 800s. Jesus. To say it feels nothing like a hotel is a bit of an understatement. They feel like a rather large home that you just happen to be able to be in and stay in. Nothing about its presentation or design or anything is like what you'd expect from Western hotels. It's actually really amazing. So I was watching some videos about this. And when you see the people in there, you're like, this is a hotel? Because they would just walk through and it's kind of like 
this hallway where everyone's like little room is, but it's like a normal hallway that kind of bends. And then you just mm-hmm. see like the kitchens right there. And then people just sit down on a couch over here. It just doesn't feel like a hotel. And I think that is kind of what gives it this warm, welcoming feeling. Okay. It feels pretty amazing. I definitely think we need to stay at one of these. And the only ones that are considered authentic tend to be in the smaller towns. Sure. There's this tourist obsession with trying to recreate these, and they have newer ones that are built in Tokyo that try to uh, emulate that experience. But people say if you want a real the real feeling that comes with these you kind of got to go to the old ones that exist outside so cool, cool. keep that in mind maybe maybe even this one the Ryoko Fuso Inn opened in 1950 but the structure was a 300 year old home that was remodeled for this business mm-hmm. the inn is said to be home of a spirit known as a Zashiki Warashi which is a specific kind of spirit Zashiki Warashi translates to guest room boy or parlor boy. These spirits are commonly talked about in the Iwate prefecture. It definitely feels like it's some sort of regional ghost because they might exist in other areas, but this is a big thing to happen in the area. It's kind of like when we were learning about changelings and how that's like just an Ireland thing, even though a lot of these people have some similar cultural experiences, but you're like, they're only here. Yeah, yeah, So it seems like Iwate is where these, these are kind of a prominent thing. But this spirit isn't like any of the other ones that we've talked about on this show. There are a lot of different types of ghosts and spirits in Japanese folklore. But in this particular instance, this is a type of spirit that is not feared. It is actually seen as a good thing. Oh, cool. It is said that witnessing one of these spirits can actually bring about good luck. So today... I feel like I would still be scared. (laughs) Exactly. So today we're going to talk about something a little bit weird where it is not an evil or malicious thing, possibly a good thing but it's still a ghost. Yeah. And like you said, I think I would be terrified too. <laughs> I mean, I was kind of thinking the idea of seeing a ghost has the potential to completely change your worldview and who you are as a person. Right. Like it's going to change how you see everything. And is it worth it if it's supposed to bring good luck or not? Some people who already believe this isn't a weird thing to them, they're like, oh, absolutely. But I'm still on the fence where... I'm willing to believe this stuff exists, but I kind of need to see it, and I haven't seen it. And if someone said, well, you can see it, and you might get good luck, I'm like, hmm. Well, I guess this would be best case scenario versus (laughs) the story I just told. Yeah. To be honest, I can't, when I was reading about this, I couldn't find, like, a rigid and specific level of good luck we're talking about here. Oh, okay. So So maybe it just varies? No, I... Like, I was trying to find out, does it mean if you, you know, see this ghost, you'll find, like, a couple dollars on the ground on your way home? Or does it mean, like, if you're dying of an illness, you're cured? Couldn't really get that. The thing that seems to happen most or is talked about the most is good fortune. So I'm assuming people just start being a little more financially prosperous when they see the ghost. Oh, cool. Okay, so, like, an overall upgrade in life. Apparently. I couldn't find anything (laughs) very specifically. One particular account of the Zashiki Warashi claims that when a family lives around one of these spirits for an extended time, they become wealthy. Oh, okay. I don't know if that means they're wealthy and they have to keep living around the spirit, or if they get wealthy and they want to buy a big old mansion and they move there, then they lose all their wealth because they're not around the spirit anymore. I could not find that. It's like the family has to be around the spirit. It gets more complicated, so trust me, we're going to get into it. Yeah, let's... Let's figure it out. 
So as I said, the Zashiki Warashi are a very complicated cryptid, and there's a startling amount of variety in how people have interpreted them and how they talk about them. They kind of relate to other demons and spirits that you hear about, like Kappa and whatnot. Mm-hmm. There's there's some overlap with things, so it gets kind of complicated, and I don't want to do a deep dive into all these Japanese folklore. I want to kind of limit it specifically to this hotel, but I'll, I'll give a little bit of information that I can. Well, it's kind of like how I was talking about leprechauns, and there's different types of leprechauns, and then even from leprechauns, there's like a variation of these creatures that Absolutely. are have different names. So I totally get it. It's really hard to focus, especially when it can get like you get convoluted. so much information. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to try to narrow this down to mostly what's related to this inn and things very similar to it. So yeah, so I'm going to talk about the more prominent descriptors and how most people seem to interpret them. Sashiki Warashi are usually boys, but girl versions do exist in the folklore. They're just not common. They are strictly children, and the age ranges can be from 3 to 15. And hmm. even their look is supposed to be kind of specific. They always have a bob haircut, which is very common for children. Sure. Uh, and have been common for children in Japan for a long time. So that makes sense. If it's a kid, it's going to have a kid haircut. My best friend in elementary school, Yukiko, she was Japanese. But anyway, she had the haircut. It was pretty cool. Yeah. it's, it's just... I, I had no idea it was a thing until people told me. And I was like, oh, my best friend did have that style haircut. I didn't real. I didn't. I don't know. I guess I didn't realize it until it was mentioned. Then I was like, I totally know what you're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. Even though they have a haircut, it is said that their hair will often hang down in front of their faces, meaning it's a little disheveled in the front. Males are said to wear black clothes, and girls sometimes wear a couple of different types of dresses, like historical kimonos or things that are like pre-kimono type dresses. Oh, wow. One note on Wikipedia, which I can't follow up on because the source is completely in Japanese, suggests (laughs) that if you see the Zashiki Warashi and its face is white... That is a good sign of things to come. However, if the spirit's face is red and possibly even wearing red clothes, that it's a sign that the spirit is going to leave. And then that means misfortune is going to follow. Oh, okay. These spirits are said to dwell primarily in guest rooms, parlors, and storage rooms. Ooh, that's kind of creepy. Although there are some instances with multiple spirits occupying the same residence, it is far more common for there to be only one. And it's suggested that they are the result of a child dying in the home or even that the child may have been buried there. Oh, my God. What? But like I said, in this instance, it's not necessarily this horrible, traumatic instance that the child died, but that a child just passed away and his spirit's still there. So, okay. So the fact that you've been saying, I mean, spirit, a lot of times they say it was like a creature that once lived or Mm -hmm. something or, you know, a human usually is what is referenced. But... I guess I was under the assumption that this was kind of more of a cryptid, but it's not. It sounds like these were hum- like humans at one point. Well, the predominant theory is that it is a ghost from someone that previously existed, but that's not always the case. Like oh. I said, this stuff gets complicated. I'm talking about it very specifically in how it's related to this hotel okay. and how people see it, because some, have, some of the stories I read, people said that they look even like an animal and that they're always red and that it's not always good luck. It seems to be a much more complicated thing, but in in the lore that people seem to talk about specifically to this hotel, this is how it is being interpreted. I see. Okay. Sticking to that. So these, these spirits, these Zashiki Warashi, are known to perform pranks and other types of mischief. One of the more common things they're said to do is make unsettling sounds. 
And it is often done when people are alone, which admittedly sounds convenient. <laughs> but at the same time, I get it. I mean, it's right. always a little more scary when you're by yourself. Even uh-huh. people are like, sure, you did. But at the same time, if there's three people there and you hear something, you're just gonna be like, oh, it's just some creaking. But when you're by yourself, you're like, who's there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These sounds can range from snorting and rustling to knocks and scratches. They often leave what is described as ashy or bleached footprints through the house. Oh, my now, God. Yeah, and I'm not sure if they, when they said bleached, I got kind of confused. Ash made sense. But, I mean, like, by bleach, can you clean them up? But it seems like people wake up and they'll see, like, white, powdery footprints, kid footprints throughout the oh, house. Oh, no. And that's a hard thing to fake. Yeah. I'm just going to say. So that one kind of messed me up a little bit. That would creep me out if I woke up and there were, like, little kid footprints, like, white kid footprints yeah. through the house. I would be like, hmm... Something ain't kosher here. I was like, I'm going to get my Swiffer and <laughs> pretend this did not happen. You're going to get a Swiffer and put like a cross on it? Yeah, and <laughs> get some holy water. holy Swiffer. <laughs> the most troubling form of mischief they employ is considerably more physical. They often like to mess with people while they try to sleep. Various stories of the spirit walking over their futon while people are sleeping on it and even turning over their pillow while they're lying on it are ubiquitous. So they really like disturbing sleeping people, but the scariest part is they're apparently super strong. So if oh your God. pillow's being messed with and you try to stop it, you won't be able to stop <gasps> it. They're way stronger than a person. So like, it, you just gotta let it happen. It's gonna happen. Uh, okay, I guess. <laughs> it's like riding a wave when you get like, when you're surfing, you crash and you're like, you just gotta let go. Just gotta let it happen. I, I mean, was totally- I wouldn't know, but that's what people say. Well, I was totally thinking about the scene in Paranormal Activity where the people are just getting dragged out of bed and they couldn't stop it. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, if it's strong enough to do it, it's like you kind of just got to You might as well not hurt yourself on the way out. By scratching the floor with your nails. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking they're going to lose a nail. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the last thing on their mind while they're being dragged by All a right. demon. But... I was like, I think I'm going to die. Oftentimes these spirits are treated as if they are welcome. And some people are even known to leave out food for them. In many ways, they can function like a house spirit or house god which is something that exists in many cultures. And we've, I've even talked about it slightly, uh, variations of this in other cultures on here mm-hmm. before, uh, when I was talking about some like tiki stuff uh, several episodes ago. Sure. A lot of different cultures have like house spirits, house gods, house yeah. deities. Sometimes some people interpret these zashiki warashi as being kind of like a house spirit that is something that's supposed to be appreciated and revered and respected. As opposed uh, yes. to it being a, ne- a negative thing. So a lot of times, I mean, I don't know. I'm totally not trying to make things up. But is it like kind of like an in, in this specific one, do they ever talk about like, is it like an ancestral thing? So like maybe it was a family member that now is a spirit that yep. lives there. And okay. actually, no, absolutely. And that's a good point we're going to get to because we're going to talk about the specific story that's happening here. Oh, I'm just talking a okay. little bit more about these spirits real quick. Okay. To understand. Yeah. I got it. So even though I've been mentioning that in this case, a lot of people are saying this is a good thing, I still feel very uneasy about the idea of a ghost or spirit in the house. Oh, yeah. And it does seem like in several of these instances, it can be a bad thing. So let's talk about that for a minute, how Mm -hmm. bad it can be to at least justify my uneasy stomach feeling. (laughs) There are plenty of stories about how bad things would happen when the Zashiki Warashi were disrespected and then they left. Mm. A well-known tale of one such event that everyone seems to be able to quote because it's by like a famous... A writer suggests that an entire family died of food poisoning <gasps> as a result of their zashiki warashi leaving. Oh no! He was mad, left, and then they all died of food poisoning. The whole family. Jeez. So, like, I guess this is hard to really decipher. You wouldn't know if he poisoned them or him leaving caused 
a misfortunate event. Absolutely. And like just it would have it would not have happened. Exactly. I don't know. It's really hard to like wrap your head around it, but okay. Despite all these dangers and discrepancies behind the Zashikiwarashi, people still really want them in their homes. And some even believe that if you bury a golden ball under the floors of new home constructions, it can help entice them into oh. your home. Oh my God. It's like a trap. So I do think it's a little bit weird where people are like, okay, we're building a new home. What can we do to bring spirits into the home? I'm like, is mine. I don't want anyone in here that ain't me. Right. It's like the opposite of saging your new house. It's yeah, unsaging, like, desaging. You're desaging. You just want something there. But it's something that a lot of people do. Now, the Zashiki Warashi in Ryokofuso is considered special. It is pretty uniformly agreed to be a very good spirit. And according to the legend, the spirit is that of Kamemaro, a young boy who was the eldest son of one Fujiwara who lived in the 14th century. Mm. The boy lived in a room known as the Enju no Ma, and at the young age of six, he fell ill and unfortunately passed away. Uh. It is believed that he swore to protect his family for all of eternity. And ever since the property opened as an inn, guests claim to see him and experience his presence. So, like you said, uh, it's a yes. family thing. He was supposed to be there. So right. it is kind of like this family ancestral spirit. He's like, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to protect. Mm -hmm. And it's like the home. So even though the family's not there, it seems like the people who are there are maybe getting that kind of protection. Well, that's nice. It is nice. He is seen as a young boy in a kimono and would often lie on people's stomachs when they were in bed. Oh, no. <laughs> right? All of a sudden, <laughs> like, it's supposed to be cute, but I'm like, huh? yeah. <laughs> and I got a big gut. So I'm like, seriously? He's, he'd probably just keep poking it. Guests often claimed that they were also touched by invisible fingers while they slept and could even hear him make bird sounds or drum sounds at night. People, okay. Yeah, people also claim that they are often blessed with luck and good fortune after they see him, and his room is now full of toys and other offerings of people giving thanks for their good oh, fortune. Oh, wow. So that's kind of like, in a way, the proof that things did better things in their lives. Happening. Yeah. It's like the opposite of the rocks from Hawaii. Right. <laughs> the inn was so popular, people kept wanting to go to get this good fortune that one site claimed it regularly had all its rooms booked for up to three years in advance. Whoa. Yeah. Dang. Okay, so we're not going to be able to get in. Well, the situation is different now. Oh, no. In 2009, there was a fire. <gasps> and it caused significant damage to the inn. And multiple sources state the damage differently. Some say that the entire structure was lost. Some say that it was just major damage and some stuff survived. But what we do know is that the Enju no Ma guest room, where the boy was seen most often, mm -hmm. his room, was destroyed. Oh, no. However, in the courtyard of the inn, there was a shrine that was built to honor the Zashiki Warashi, like a big old shrine for him. Okay. And that was untouched by the fire and is still there. A fundraising campaign was created to help rebuild the hotel. And it should be stated that the rebuild was also a redesign and that it was not the same structure as it was before. They oh, changed okay. things. They're, they actually made less rooms this new time. I think it was oh. to make them a little more roomy for guests or something like that. Sure. But it's not the exact same hotel as it used to be. The rebuild was completed in 2016 and it has since reopened for service. And it remains an incredibly popular tourist destination. And many people believe that survival of the shrine means that the Zashiki Warashi is still there at the hotel. 
Okay. So I saw a video on YouTube from a user, if I'm doing her name right, Charmillion. I've been mispronouncing crap all night, so <laughs> this is a new one. Charmillion. Uh, she's, uh, she's a Canadian who moved to Japan, and she's just been living there, and she does a lot of cool stuff about things that she does in Japan. Sure. Well, she decided that she was going to stay at the Ryokufuso Inn, and this oh, was nice. in... 2020, so it was the rebuilt in. Holy cow. Okay, so that's very recent. Yeah, and it was a great video. Totally worth watching. But at one point, she and her friend are sitting in the lobby of the hotel. And by lobby, it just feels like the living room. Oh. And they're just sitting in the living room, and they're watching a TV screen. And why this TV screen is important is the TV screen is playing a slideshow. And the slideshow is all the guests who took pictures and captured things. <gasps> oh, it's my gosh. It's just playing all the pictures that guests have done. So it's it's straight there in front of everyone. Like, And it's mostly orbs. Now, okay, but the, it's easy for me, and I usually really, really crap on orbs. But the thing that's interesting is they do point out how often are you taking pictures and you see orbs, particularly, you know, when it's lit and everything like this, and you just see so many pictures from so many people. And it's a little startling because it's not just like one really, like, oh, yeah, there's some dust. I'm like, you can tell from her video footage, this isn't a dusty hotel. This is a nice, clean hotel and everything. And you see a lot of that. Yeah. And there was one photo of the shrine. And you see all these orbs, and you're like, okay, it was either snowing hardcore or it's bizarre. And apparently, it was mm. not supposed to be snowing or anything that day. Okay, nice. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty interesting because I love that the hotel is all about pushing it's this very, idea. Like, this is important to them. I think that's super cool. So you got to see some of the pictures, apparently. Like, did yeah, she he, just film it? And Yeah, you okay. got to see some of them, and they were pretty cool pictures. Yeah. Another amazing thing that this hotel does. So this hotel, I think, I really love that they're, like, all about it. So something else that they do is they turn off all the lights in the hotel at 830 at night. And according to the what? video, they the, the the girl and her friend in the video, mm -hmm. they the hotel encourages guests to go walking around <gasps> to experience stuff after the lights are out. Oh, my God. Yes. We need to go there. So they decided to do a little ghost hunting. And in the video, they went to the room where the Spirit has allegedly been seen multiple times now. It's a new room. It's not the same one, but it has the toys and everything like okay. that to say thank you. And most of the pictures people see are either of that room or the shrine, which is just out the door where they see most of the stuff, but okay. stuff's been seen all over. And so they were saying in the video, oh, you know, uh, if you see anything, post a comment in the background because they're mostly like doing selfie mode and everything. And then they were also taking regular pictures. I didn't see anything, of course. Sure. It was still pretty creepy. They were doing it and... She was saying it was pretty cool, but there were people all walking around the hotel, which is pretty neat, looking for things. Yes, yes. I'm so okay with this. I actually really want to see this video now. But there's also one more thing that this hotel does that is just so cool. So you know how we've, we've stayed at one of our favorite hotels is the is the Strader or Strader Hotel in Durango. Right, yeah. And each room has a little book where people can write, you know, a little about their stay. Like, oh, my name's blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. I was here for a beer fest, and I just did all this stuff. Well, this hotel is full of notebooks, and the idea is you're supposed to tell your stories of your experiences with the ghost. Oh, my God. So you can, like, read people's, like, oh, I saw this If or you felt can this. read Japanese, you absolutely oh, can. That's also true. So in the I video, they're, like, scrolling through, but what the her friend, well, they both speak Japanese, but her friend read some little snippets from some of these stories about things they experienced, and it's really cool. Uh, I just thought that was a really neat idea. Like, this hotel went all in on this and I think it's really cool and the fact that it's supposed to be a happy ghost it's supposed to be he's still you know pokes you with fingers and does something messes with you while you sleep yeah but in general the idea is he's it's a good spirit and it brings back good fortune that makes it such a unique experience to me because 
even though I'm still terrified of the idea of seeing things, if I had to see a ghost, maybe this is the right way to see this a would ghost. Be, this would absolutely be the way. Because usually when you get a ghost experience, that's all you get. But, like, if this kid pokes you, you might win the lottery. I mean, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, like, usually you're just like, okay, I got poked, great. But, you know, if you do get poked, something comes out of it. That's a good thing. But I also think it, it you, I do feel like there'd be some sort of obligation. If you go there and, and you see something and you have a good fortune, I think the idea is you have to like go give a gift and give thanks. Oh, and, 100%. And yeah. all this. And I think, I think that makes it just a very interesting, it's like an exchange. It's yeah. like, it's like a whole thing. And I think that's interesting because if you just win the lottery on your own, like, <laughs> I think your number one goal is making sure everyone you hate in life doesn't know because they're going to all ask you for money. Oh, right. But in this situation, it's not like, it's not that you're like I have to go thank the spirit who helped me win it's just such an interesting idea well I think you can afford the trip this time so that's not that's the least of an inconvenience in my opinion so usually at the end of my stories I say would you stay there but you already announced oh, like, yeah. well, you're like we gotta go like a hundred times already we're going so once again this is in the northern part of the main island of Japan so it is far from the big city so the idea is if you're going there you either have to want to see something up there or Maybe you really want to go to this hotel, so it's kind of out there. I'm the kind of guy that I would love to see all of Japan, not just the mm -hmm. big cities. So it's all in it for me. But for some people, this might be just a little too far out of the way. I can see that. Yeah. I mean, I still think it'd be really cool. It's a beautiful area. Uh, we saw a movie back in the day called uh, Kikujiro, mm -hmm. which is about a little kid. And they go on a road trip and they get out of the big cities and stuff. And I remember both of us having a conversation about how beautiful all those areas looked and We'd really like to see that. So. Yeah, that movie's amazing, if anyone's curious. But I like that we finally left on a like higher note, because usually we're kind of like, well, that was horrifying. But it's still a <laughs> slight unease, because we're still dealing with the spirit of a dead child I mean, who fair. is hanging out. So it's kind of those things that even a good ghost story still feels a little weird, because it's a ghost story. Yeah, a little perhaps sad, a little creepy, because... You know, it's still a ghost, and but good fortune. That's the that's. The I'd good say thing. it's kind of like when you hear a news story about like a hero who saved a kid from a kidnapper. You're like, oh yeah, the hero's so good. But in your mind, you're just like, but there was still a kidnapper, and that's just icky. Yeah, and, and so <laughs> this person exists on this yeah, planet. And so it's just kind of still there. Yeah. But news story, different stuff. There, it looks like Japan has an amazingly rich and complicated lore that I love. It's so different from what we've been talking about for so many months that I think this is just giving us a whole broader view of how weird the supernatural world really is and yeah. that makes it infinitely more interesting and infinitely more creepy which is my favorite thing well I think that brings our episode to a close thank you guys for joining us and I hope some of you were pleasantly creeped out by the stories this week. If you have any comments, questions, please drop us a line at hotwpodcast at gmail.com. And for those of you who are listening to us while at work or while you're driving, we hope you have a great day. For those of you that are drinking, we hope your tomorrow isn't too rough. And if you're listening to us because you had too much fun last <laughs> night and you're suffering today, don't worry, because the best cure for a hangover is fear. Bye. See ya.